The Little Mermaid and the Question of Racially Conscious Casting. Coleman Hughes's 10 Notes on the End of Affirmative Action. And the legal foundation of women's sports is under fire. Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit this podcast's episode description. Dear Friends of Fair, Professor Zach DePiero began working at Pennsylvania State University in August of 2018 in the English department at the Abington campus. Almost immediately upon the onset of his employment, Professor DePiero noticed a race essentialism focus, which he feared would be harmful to his students, a majority of which were from minority backgrounds and ethnicities. Professor DePiero was required to attend professional development meetings to view videos such as, White Teachers Are a Problem, and was directed to assure that all students see that white supremacy manifests itself in language and in writing pedagogy. Incidents like these made it clear that Penn State harbored a bias against him based on his skin color. So, he took the prescribed course of action and filed a bias report. The Penn State Affirmative Action Office quickly called Professor DiPiero into a Zoom meeting, where its associate director informed him that, there is a problem with the white race, then directed him to continue attending anti-racist workshops until you get it. It became impossible for Professor DePiero to effectively perform his job duties. In August 2021, he was forced to leave a job he had prized and students he cared for deeply. On June 15th, Professor DePiero filed suit against Penn State in federal court, alleging violations of his civil rights under federal and Pennsylvania law. Professor DePiero is represented by Fair Network attorneys Michael Allen and Samantha Harris of Allen Harris Law. For more information on Dr. DePiero's case, you can read his complaint, filed in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania on our website here, with the link in the description. Warmly, the team at the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. For Fair Substack, Christopher J. Ferguson wrote about the controversy around the casting of the Little Mermaid remake. Ferguson writes, some people will respond, but don't minority groups deserve to be represented in film? To which the answer is absolutely. But taking an existing character and swapping out their identity characteristics is a crude and clumsy way to do it. A much better way is to create new characters and stories. For example, Wonder Woman for Girls and Black Panther for Black Americans were both runaway success stories that generated comparatively little backlash from irate fans. There's always some, but we can ignore the trolls. The live-action Little Mermaid remake was a missed opportunity to bring to screen a story we haven't seen before. Disney could have brought an African folktale to U.S. audiences, in which case a black cast wouldn't have been at all controversial. It would also have given us some new stories rather than tired remakes. Tell us new stories. Sure, new stories are untested and risky, whereas The Little Mermaid might have looked like easy money, but some risks are worth taking. For his substack, Coleman's Corner, Fair Advisor Coleman Hughes wrote about the end of affirmative action. Hughes states, In a landmark verdict handed down today, the Supreme Court ruled that the use of race in college admissions violates the 14th Amendment, effectively ending affirmative action overnight. For some, this is a shocking step backwards. For others, it's a long-overdue endorsement of colorblindness and non-discrimination. I am in the latter camp. I think affirmative action is a misguided, discriminatory policy whose end is long overdue. But I know many intelligent and well-meaning people who disagree. In the coming weeks, I expect many media outlets to push an alarmist viewpoint that we have dialed the clock back to the days of Jim Crow. 
So I'd like to lay out as clearly as possible my reasons for believing that this decision is a net good for American society. For Fire News Desk, Fair Advisor Angel Eduardo wrote about why he believes we shouldn't use government power to try enforcing the truth. He writes, Like any deviation from the presumption that speech is protected, these exceptions to the rule are limited, narrowly defined, and place the burden on the government to justify. First Amendment law recognizes that any attempt to suppress freedom of speech, no matter how well-intentioned, is a perilous endeavor. Carelessly allowing the government to regulate what can and cannot be said will cost us more than we bargained for. That is why each category of unprotected speech has been approached with a careful eye toward preserving free expression and avoiding government overreach, and the bar is set high for good reason. For Reality's Last Stand, Fair Advisor Lisa Celine Davis wrote about why the mean age of gender dysphoria diagnosis is decreasing. She says, For years, the patient demographics remained similar. The bulk of those with what was originally called gender identity disorder marked discomfort with or distress at one's sexed body were middle-aged men. Of the small number of children suffering from this rare condition, the majority experienced it beginning in early childhood. Most were boys. Then, sometime in the 2010s, things began to change. The sex ratio flipped, with many more girls than boys suffering from GID, which was renamed gender dysphoria in 2013. Within a decade, the number of teens identifying as trans shot up, most of them girls with no history of gender issues, trends viewable in both published data and endless personal accounts. This week, a new article confirmed what many of us already knew, and it says it all in the title. The mean age of gender dysphoria diagnosis is decreasing. For Real Clear Politics, Zach DePiero wrote about why he is suing Penn State University. He says, Misguided as my supervisor was, she wasn't just one rogue professor in a bunch. Anti-racism fever ran rampant through the school's institutional culture. To commemorate Juneteenth 2020, Abington's DEI director told us, Stop being afraid of your own internalized white supremacy. And to hold other white people accountable. That same week, amidst faculty panic over a masked-up return to campus, one colleague invoked history and white male privilege to forecast, without discernible evidence, saying, one can already see a mile away that there will be some who will resist wearing masks, etc. Such resistance is also more likely to be led by white males and in classrooms taught by women and people of color. In September of 2021, I complied with my state-mandated duty to report bias of these and other incidents. For the New York Times, David French wrote about the legal foundation of women's sports. He says, But the argument is not that transgender athletes will always win, but rather that if schools replace sex with gender identity as the relevant criterion for participation, then the statutory sex-based promises of participation and benefits in educational programs will be undermined. Gender identity, as the ACLU defined it, is a medical term for a person's deeply felt inherent sense of belonging to a particular sex. After all, when we surveyed the performance gap between male and female athletes, is that gap best explained by the differences in gender identity between the competitors or the differences that are inherent in biological sex? And if those differences are best explained by biological sex rather than gender identity, then any rule that wipes out biological sex as the determining factor in eligibility will undermine both the practical and legal basis for women's sports. 
we want the FAIR Substack to be the go-to publication for diverse perspectives on culture and civil rights. Whether you're a seasoned author or an amateur writer with a story that can contribute to our mission of promoting fairness, understanding, and humanity, we would love to receive your stories, opinions, investigations, reviews, interviews, and more. Please send your piece to submissions at fairforall.org. We hope to hear from you. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories or visit the episode description. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org slash donate.